0: Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind the scenes learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, Inspiration and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Before we jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the wait list, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode.
1: All right, food friends, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, we're here with Deborah Gorman and Nicole Cardone. The founders of Pop and Sorbabes, two delicious frozen treats that they're going to be diving in and sharing all about with you guys, letting you know how they have gone to market, what the process has looked like, and what makes them different, because this is not your regular frozen treat out there. Absolutely not. They have brought it to the 2000s as needed. I'm really excited to dive in with you guys today. Welcome to the show, Nicole and Deborah.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
1: Yeah, great to be yeah. here. Could we open it up? Can you just share with everyone a little bit about the business? Talk to
2: everyone. What exactly are fudgy pops and sorbets? Sure, I'll start. Uh, my, I'm Nicole, and um, Deborah and I are the co-founders of these two amazing brands. And as you touched on Ainsley, these are brands that really were founded in the idea of a classic frozen dessert like sorbet and a, and a chocolate pop, but brought to the modern day expectation of Ingredients, flavor profile, things like that. It really just came from this want, or at least from my perspective, to get out of corporate uh, America. I was not enjoying what I had set out to do originally and gone to school for. A lot of people, and it was during the early 2000s where everything kind of crashed with 2008 when the markets kind of crashed. And I was like, let's do something different. And Deborah and I got together. She and I have very different backgrounds. She's a, a chef by trade and I was in finance. So having the business side and her having more of that culinary experience really gave us an opportunity to be solid partners and, and contribute both very evenly, consistently throughout the course of our business and build these brands together.
1: I love that. And, and you started this from seeing a need, also the desire to leave corporate America, switch things up. Have you, obviously, Deborah? you've obviously been in food always. Did you always know, Deborah that you wanted to create a food brand? Or what, what did that look like before creating these brands?
3: I started out, I actually didn't start out in food. I started out in advertising design and did graphics for a bit. So I was on the creative side of things um, all along, but always was obsessed. With, like I just love to cook. I learned to cook from my grandmother and would spend hours and hours in the kitchen My other people playing video games after school. And I always wanted to be a chef, but I kind of went on an academic route first. And at some point, I just was like Nicole, just not happy with the corporate life that I had created. And then it was about, I think it was early, I was in my early 20s at the time, and now I'm 20 years ago. <laughs> so I, I then started cooking and I started working in restaurants for years. And I worked with some amazing chefs and learned like incredible skills. But I also realized that the restaurant lifestyle, being a chef in that environment, wasn't exactly what I wanted long term. It was really fun, super exciting and learned a great deal. So then I went on to being a private chef. I worked in a catering company and I worked in that realm for a while. And then that's actually when I met Nicole, but before that I hadn't been working for myself for the last five years and I've been creating, I had a business, but it was very a simple business. It wasn't the kind of business like a CPG brand and Nicole. And I always dreamed of it. I did think this was like something I wanted to do and wanted to create a product and when we were, I was introduced to Nicole actually by one of my clients through through one of my clients, the, the woman that I worked with in one of my private chef jobs. She knew me very well, and she happens to be Nicole's mother-in-law. And so we would spend a lot of time together. And when Nicole started working on the idea to create a gourmet sorbet, a new product for dessert space, she have to meet Debra to connect. And we, from the start, just really hit it off and obviously we weren't friends before we started but we came to the table with really unique perspectives and backgrounds and made that a really amazing partnership and that it's actually lasted this has been now 10 years that we've been for over 10 years that we've been working together and so it's been an incredible journey to foster that relationship with Nicole and how that together we're sort of more powerful than it's not just one plus one equals two we always say it's one plus one equals two 10, 20, like the two of us together can overcome with any challenge. So it's been a really, that's been a really exciting part of the journey too.
1: Yeah. That's a really interesting connection point too. So many times it's like, oh, we were friends and we started business or a lot of times family will start business. But you guys came in this, like knowing each other through someone and saw these complementary skills and saw that it could make something better at the end of the day. I have to ask, were you guys scared? Were you excited? What does that look like that I feel like that would make, I know that would make me nervous personally. It's funny because I
2: think so many people have seen such terrible experiences with partners and heard the stories. And I think Deborah and I just immediately clicked. And because we weren't friends, I think we both came to the table very professional. There was an expectation that we had for ourselves to not let the other one down because we were both depending on each other. And I think that helped push us through. And then obviously now we're like sisters and super close, but I think that throughout the, the years of working together, there's so many highs and super lows. And to be able to have a partner through that, I don't know how people do it alone, to be honest. I, I think if you have the wrong partner, that's the worst thing ever, but to not have a partner, I don't, I don't know how because Deborah has pulled me out of so many ruts and helped keep me on track when I felt like I was losing my motivation or it was just getting too hard and vice versa. I just think that having a partner has probably, I almost contributed to our success in, in more than I'd assume. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I think also in the beginning to say, were we scared? And I, I think we just both like we're not, it's always we joke. Like we kind of are very comfortable with risk, but we neither of us like gamble. Like I don't, not that kind of risk. (laughs) Like we're taking a risk on ourselves and our like our potential and our abilities, which sometimes can be harder because you're like, oh, do I have what it takes to do this? But then in the same respect, you're also, it's a calculated risk. You're just like, I know what my capacity is. I know what I can do. I can, I'm a really good problem solver. I know I can create something from nothing. And those were the skills that two both of us uniquely came to the table with. So I think there was some naivete, like we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We were just like, oh, let's just take one step at a time. We didn't know all the ways we could fail. And that, you know, now we look back and we think, oh, wow, like it's amazing. We made it through so many different points in this journey. Uh, like, it's been wild. Like, we went from farmers markets. So, we started selling sorbets at farmers markets. We like made it in a local ice cream shop and we would sell scoops of it at the market. And people would really loved it. They just were doing, they saw how unique it was. Like, there weren't any other sorbets out there that were as you know, indulgent and delicious and had mix-ins and had neat combinations of flavors and textures. And that was what really made sorbet so unique at the time. Because most sorbet, and people still don't really know what sorbet is, it's water-based frozen dessert, but it's more than that. Like, it's made with really pure, amazing, natural ingredients. And you take those ingredients and you take out, if you don't put dairy in it, you're actually getting so much more flavor and experience. You're like, it's all so much more intensely flavorful and delicious without subduing those flavors by adding cream. And so what we did was just like really go all in with that concept. And we created some delicious flavors. And then after the farmer's markets, we were like, well, we have to package this. We need to put it in packaging. So we somehow magically found a very small co-packer who could make it, grab the machinery, pack it and do it. And we were so amazed that we had one full pallet, which is 200 cases, which isn't that much now. Like we're doing truckloads. One pallet, it's just one 24, so of you know, them yeah there's twenty four of them on a truck, so one pallet was not that big a deal, but at the time it felt like, wow, like me did this, so we created one of these and now how are we gonna sell it? what are we gonna do and so we would just slowly got into markets and markets until we built up our New York City market until our New York City market was the first market we started in and we built that company to a million dollars and that was a really crazy impressive feat that we created with really just the two of us and then at that point very in time little really, financing very little financing so we just like bootstrap that we we just put a little of our own money in at the beginning and we we had some a little help from family and friends but really this was like the two of us just kind of used our resources to figure everything out and Nicole is amazing cash like cash flow management so she was able to somehow get us through all these and i don't like i still got a plan, like, part of the business and that to me it's just like magic <laughs> Like, okay so we have this bill but we have this money coming in, and when is that oh, I-, I can't even so i just am amazed at how far and it's that and then after that we actually parted one of the biggest manufacturers in the country or in the northern hemisphere i think and we they found our brand and just really wanted to work with us and so we worked as full-time consultants for a for that company and we're farted with them for four years and we able to really learn an incredible amount and grow it and then the pandemic happened and we barely survived that i don't know i'm trying to take through a little bit of this yeah yeah nice but we basically went from walking the streets of new york like selling our wares to like corporate like these huge board meetings with Doing having focus groups and having people come to us asking us for advice on what to do and how to like make this brand grow this brand with them. And then then all of a sudden, four years later, those that all disappeared because the pandemic happened and there wasn't enough manufacturing space for us anymore. And I to, everything sort of fell apart. And we had to then basically start from scratch again and build wow. it all up. So now we're like at this really interesting stage in our in our growth where we like. We've learned so much. We have incredible experience. We're rebuilding that business. And then we added on Fudgy Pop. It's our new Mm -hmm. baby. So it's been like this wild 10-year journey. And I kind of skimmed through that. But hopefully you can dig in things you want to learn more about.
2: And I just want to say that the part where we worked with this large ice cream company. So there's a lot of large corporate CPG companies out there. But this company in particular only did ice cream and they owned multiple different brands. And what we saw was the synergies that they had going to sit down with the buyer of say Publix or Target and giving them 10 different options to say yes, no matter what that buyer was looking for or needed on the shelf or what that shopper and that retailer was more interested in, they had an option for them. And so after that experience, we almost, we almost crashed and burned after COVID, that was true, it's a very tough time, but somehow we were able to get through that. What we realized was that, wow, we're sending truckloads out. We're sitting in front of major buyers of the major retailers across the country. Why don't we take some of those experiences that we learned and incorporate them? So we decided to launch another brand. And we're seeing, and it's interesting, it's kind of like, I we're both mothers, so we use the analogy of kids. It's like, your second kid's so much easier, right? So that's kind of how it's been with this brand. And this brand, we also, so it's Fudgy Pop was the second brand. And because we were in this category for more than a decade, we really saw a new inside and out of who the players were, where the opportunity was, what were skewed, what was getting deskewed, skewed And we saw this opportunity for Fudge Pops to come back into the marketplace because everyone loves chocolate and no one was really ever, no one was really doing anything quite like we had in mind. We came to market with this new brand, leveraging all of our assets, our logistics, our manufacturing, our suppliers, our retailer relationships, our broker network and just plop this new band in there, and it has just exploded. And I actually think it's going to outpace our babes going into 2024, which is really exciting to see such explosive growth. But it's just been been really interesting how what what we thought was going to calm up this relationship with this huge corporate entity working with them didn't, Turn out the way we thought, but it actually did bring us something incredibly valuable that we're now sort of utilizing. And it's just been it's been a wild ride. Yeah, what a wild ten years! Right, going from yeah.
1: selling in farmers' markets to being so excited for that first bullet to selling out truckloads to now you guys have been in it for ten years in the market. You have a lot of distribution. What is your distribution like? How many doors are you guys in nationwide?
2: Pre-COVID, we were in almost four thousand mm-hmm. stores and now we're in closer to thousand. So it took us a couple of years to build what we had to do when we left, we had to realize our SKU count and we had to let go of almost every single point of distribution because we didn't have manufacturing. So like I said, we we almost crashed and burned. It's still a miracle and I still honestly, Deborah, don't know how we pulled through those years. Uh, really, it didn't start to get better until 2020 was when we started to really see some stability. So we had a good couple of years of just like keeping it together. But we had a few retailers that really stuck by our side and held shelf space for us until we were able to produce. And that gave us that little momentum that we needed to jumpstart once we were able to find a good manufacture. And then everything just kind of started to flow again.
1: The tenacity, it definitely shines through. And I could see through those two years, when everything code would happen. The value of having a partner that you can lean on to help pull you up from those times when you're like, how are we going to do this? Having two brains, being able to look at the solution and from looking at the solution perspective and just also, it's such a mindset game, running a
2: business, uh, having someone else to help dig you. Out of the rabbit hole when you're down there. So well said. It is such a mindset game. So much is about your attitude. Going, and just in, in life in general, right? So much is about what your attitude is going into any situation. So, and I think that having a partner really it forces you to either either be on that positive side to help lift somebody up or you, you have that support to get you through when you're the one that needs it.
3: Yeah. And I think we just, we are very funny about it. We've never, we always take turns having those little moments. <laughs> so when Nicole's like down in the dumps and she's like, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to quit. And I'm like, no, oh. we have to do this. We can do this. You know, like bring that, that energy and just have to be like, oh, and then vice versa. Like I have days where I'm like, "Nicole, I don't know what this is. I think this is the end. We can't move on. And then, and then a day later, you'll get news that makes you so hopeful and, and like empowered and be like, okay, we got this. We can do this. And it's just this. Incredible up and down emotional roller coaster because you care so much about product you create, you care about how people enjoy it, what they think of it, understanding it, and you also just you put your heart and soul into your business, and it's just so hard. I think over time I've gotten better at. Not getting emotionally affected by everything, but it is really difficult. And so I think that mindset, like you said, Nicole, is so powerful and so important, but also just having that partner, right? Somebody, or it doesn't have to be maybe your business partner, but the people in your life to support you when you get that bad news and just to be like, hey, this is not the end. That person just didn't get it. Like you get rejected or you're told that you, it's not going to work with that particular retailer. And you have to realize, okay, maybe this isn't for everybody. And that's okay. We have an amazing product. Some people absolutely love it. And A lot of people maybe aren't used to something so flavorful or something so indulgent and and delicious, but yet made with like really good ingredients, like they don't understand the concept. And therefore you're like, okay, we're bringing something special and new to the world. So that takes time and not everybody's going to appreciate it and accept it right away. And so that's sort of been something this year that we are like really embracing too and all over the years to pass. But I think it's also just like trends just shift so quickly in the marketplace that, you know, you just have to be like really sure of what you've created and why it's unique and just have that sort of mindset that you can keep, keep going and keep pursuing. And if you know you have something that's really worth it, to not stop, not quit and let that brand really show its true value to the world.
2: I just I want to make one little comment, because when we launched Soar Babes, we were in the Hamptons and that's where Tate's Cookies started. It's not my Tate's. And Kathleen King was the founder of Tate's and I was lucky enough to spend some time with her and she was very sweet and she told me her story and she told me that she would walk around New York City giving people every single bodega a sample of her cookie and she said like 80% of were like, I don't get this. It's cr- It's not even soft. It's Christmas falling apart. I don't want it. oath. you're never going to make it. And she was like, okay, no problem. You don't get it. And she just go to the next one. They would say the same thing. And she said, you know what? You don't get it. And she'd go to the next one. And she said to me, don't anybody steal your fire she's like believe in what you're doing she's like don't she's basically like, saying don't not take advice but don't let it like affect your overall you have so many different opinions and now, Tate's one of the biggest cookies ever But he loves the crispiness that was something everybody hated in the beginning you know it just goes to show it's so hard to know what's right and i think that so much of the business and being an entrepreneur is really trying to understand when That feedback is significant and when it's just a little bit of a roadblock that you just need to overcome and that's where i think having that piece up front you
1: guys are so grounded in your product you know that this is a good product you're not just out there kind of on a whim you feel full confidence in it it allows you to go out there and push past any of those no's or not now or even the d-lists and things like that happen right it allows you to keep going forward without being like, oh no, this is the end. Although some days I get it. Some days I get it. We're all like, this is the end.
2: And it's been such an exciting year though, I think with the launch of Fudgy Pop and understanding sort of that we now have, because Babes is an indulgent fruit bar and Fudgy Pop is this um, more of a snackable fudge pop. So they're very different use uh, stages. And I think that being able to go to buyers now and have a solution for whatever their customer base is, has been really great. And I think that having this, so Deborah and I are now faced with this explosive amount of growth that is, it's like building this the second time we already have those retailer relationships. We already have the logistics in place. We know all the players, all the distributors, they know us. And I think, It's happening so much faster than we ever really anticipated. And we were so proud to be able to have kept this under ownership with just Debra and me this entire time. and never had to go out and raise VC money, maintain control of this business. But it's finally come to a point where where we're starting to consider raising money. And it's really scary to think about having somebody else in our business giving us advice or telling us what we should or should do. And we're really hopeful that we'll be able to find the right partner I mean, we do hear a lot of success stories of people who've worked with, with investors and really done great things. So I just think that's going to be our next big challenge. It's not as much launching the brand and R&D and all that distribution because we've already sort of figured that out. The next stage is like learning how to work with a real investor, I think. So it'll be interesting the next few years.
1: Yeah, it's a whole other piece to start to unravel. And it's... Does become like a a whole other division of the business as
2: you're going through that fundraising piece, right? Yeah, it's a full time job. Yeah, we're not starting it yet, but the idea of starting at the beginning of next year, you really do have to clear off your desk and be like, "This is what I'm doing now."
1: And what was it that has led you both to say, "Okay, now is maybe the time that we want to start looking for outside." investors? Is it the explosive growth that you've had with the new line extension? Is it just where the business is at right now? What is it that kind of ticked for both of you that said, hey, if we really want to take this to the next level, this is this is the next step that we need to take or we need to consider at least?
2: I think it's two things. One is um, just working capital. We look at the, pr- the size of the production runs that we need to fill the demand. It's like we're just and cash flow, cash is king and trying to make sure that those dollars are all matching up um, is becoming more and more challenging. But when we also talk with our marketing team and they're saying, look at all these other brands, they're doing all this stuff. And we're doing a fraction of that just because we haven't allocated a huge amount to marketing because it's just not been something we've had the money for. The idea that, OK, if we're going to be this big brand. We need to start acting like one. We need to start putting money towards the things that we know are. They seem ancillary, but they all add up to something that's very valuable and creates a brand of significance. So I think those two components to me felt like that's what we just needed to supplement.
3: Right. I think, and also too, knowing our skill sets. We are great innovators. We are really good at figuring out how to start things, how to get things off the ground, how to launch products. And, And then there comes to a point of operations where there are just other people out there that are really better at large co- company operations so i think there is a point in time where we're like okay we know our skill set and we also know that there are other there's economies of scale so when you can work with find a partner who can who's doing some of these other things as well to add on to and be part of their their system or their machine it's easier than having to create some of that stuff from scratch so i think there's a we're just we're trying to figure out the perfect partner right now and that's actually something nicole and i or we haven't come, we don't know that yet. And I guess part of that will be through conversations and we have to go like dating, talking to people, finding out what about them, what about their, their what they can bring to the table that you really need and what we can do to complement them. And so it's just this interesting process. And I think really is just and it's sort of the way it is right now. And the way a lot of small companies are, it's like in order to compete, you do need that kind of marketing spend that is not like doesn't make, make sense. It doesn't actually flow with like how much money the company is actually making. You need to spend ahead of that. And so for us to be competitive in the marketplace and to be able to compare our numbers with some of these larger companies, we need to do a lot more to get to that level. And I think that's where larger investments come in and how we, we don't want to like suffocate our brand just because we wanted to retain ownership. But and we have for 10 years, which has been like an incredible feat. And it's not that easy. And Nicole and I have both worse. Ridiculous. And right now I'm in a cold, probably is too. We were just talking about this yesterday. She's like, I am so spread in. This is 3B. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And trying to support each other through those moments. And that's both. And it, we just need more support to grow this company to the next level. And that's just where so many levels, it's just, it's, it makes sense and it is what it is. And I think it's just hard because especially when you're doing a consumer product that the margins are low, you don't make a lot per unit. And so to grow and to you need such volume to make the business profitable that is just really hard to attain like organically and naturally it just doesn't come So you need to you need to fund that and to feel that and a lot of it's with unique marketing getting into places that you wouldn't normally be and having people taste it and then that leads to word of mouth and all that stuff costs a lot so it's just figuring out how the marketing piece will fund the production so we can actually meet purchase orders all that yeah, yeah, it's the, it's
2: really it's a volume in CPG. If you think about a box of ice cream sitting on the shelf for five dollars, you can imagine how much the the supplier is actually getting per box and he's gotta sell millions and millions of them. And even just logistics, I think a partner for us would be somebody who understands from some logistics because to me that's a part of I me mean, right now we have four warehouses that we're we're moving product in between and, and then we're we're doing LTL and full truck loans to all these different distributors and they're picking up and there's just so much happening in logistics space. Think about, oh, I want to make ice cream. That sounds fun. You don't think about like you're sitting there with this huge scheduling board, trucks going in and out here, purchase orders, and this and that, and you're short on this and you're, this came, this one was damaged. Or I just, it's a whole different level of operations. And Deborah and I know we're good at. And while we can do this, we're not experts at it. And it's not an area that I think we are Aspiring to be experts, in. I don't want to be a logistics expert. Become one, sort of. Different. But I think trying to find a partner that can bring on some of those, those those skill sets is going to be really valuable for us and critical. Right. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before we we went on here about just the logistics of frozen as a whole. It is not an easy piece. Did you guys know what you were getting into before you? went into this or you just started figuring it
3: out along the way? Uh, that's where the naivete was. Well, we were so naive and we just, we're just like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Next step, we'll figure it out. And that's really how we've done it. Just figured each place out. And we have a lot. We do have great advisors and great people that we've gone to in the past and people to call. So we've been very lucky, a really great work. Um, everything it is manageable, but I think at some point you realize what the right Manageable, or like what is best for our business, what is best for us as humans, as mothers, as family members. You know, as as it's like you have to figure out what's And I think we would love to create more brands. We you can't put that much energy to creating new things when you're so focused on like the day to day logistics of just getting things out and around and ordering ingredients and figuring out all the details. That just keeps getting big, like keeps escalating. But then as you grow, and then you need to also figure out like how do I have time to do this planning and talk to my partner every day and make sure that we're also in step and we're critically thinking about the decisions that need to be made and working through that. And that's the part where I think that balance is really tricky and we're we're always sort of navigating that line and like it's just like bicycle, you're constantly pedaling, but you're just like you're staying in balance, but you're not really some days it just feels like totally out of whack. And I think that as we've grown, there's more and more of those gains. And so we just need to figure out how to get back to a place where we can feel like we are able to do to create new things and keep innovating and keeping our brand exciting and relevant and that sort of Nicole and I that's the, the part of it and I think because
2: we have been in frozen category for so long we have learned so much about frozen distribution logistics manufacturing so probably staying within that category is where I think we should be. But it's funny, even in the beginning, we had no idea. Oh, ice cream sounds great. But we started in New York City. There's one location in New York City that sold dry ice in 2012. Oh, and, oh my gosh. You know, this was before Uber. So we would take like a black g- gypsy cab or paleo taxi. And we put all of our farmer's market equipment in the back of a yellow taxi drive all the way across town to pick up some dry ice, drive back, and then set up for a farmer's market. It was just most inefficient, ridiculous. <laughs> and and then you think about all these other brands could just pass out samples or do, when you do a food show. And then the temperature of the product, because when you take it right off of dry ice, it's super cold and hard and you can't really even bite into it. But then, if you then there's a sweet spot where it's perfectly soft and ready to eat, and then it's too melted. So then it's just like this little window, and God forbid you miss the window. It's just it's constantly challenging getting samples to buyers. Even now, right now, is sell season, and so we're sending boxes to all the different retailers across the country, and they are melted, or they can't find them, or the person didn't realize. And then it's very expensive to ship these. And then you just think about the waste of these styrofoam coolers because the, the environmentally friendly ones are great, but they don't hold up in the heat of the summer. So we can only use those for a few months out of the year. All these things you don't think about when you're like, oh, I like this product. I'm going to start selling it. And knowing the right partners, there's a lot of frozen places out there that store frozen pizza and frozen burritos, but that's not cold enough for ice cream. But they'll still say that they'll fill your product, even though it'll melt and then it'll arrive frozen. It's just there's much that we didn't know getting into this that we've had to learn the hard way. But uh, I think we're pretty good now. I think we got to figure it out.
1: Yeah, 10 years in, you guys have figured it out, but I'm sure there were.
2: There have been pallets of products in the past oh that have gone, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. We have spent frostbite days, like, sitting in a cold freezer, like, going through inventory Pallets that have broken, fallen over in a frozen truck. It's negative 20 in the truck, and your pallet is crumbled on the ground. You're trying to repack, restack. Just absolute ridiculous freezer time. It's just, and it is cold. It's a negative 20 in these freezers. deborah's in like a full monkey suit, like covered head and
3: And we both hate coal. So it's kind of ironic. like, I live in Los Angeles. She lives We didn't choose like cold cities to live in, but yet our product. And yeah, there's definitely days where I have to wear like multiple gloves deep through my freezer and like <laughs> figuring out all the samples and I'm just like, oh my, God, crazy. I think that the early days were funny though, especially with people having like little ones to go and we would go to the and she would have to like, did always have childcare where always work out that way. You don't have to find funds for her. The person doesn't show up. And so Nicole would, like, bundle up her little kids and put them in a stroller and bring them to, like, the freezer. And, like, this would be, like, a, a major depot where, like, you know, pallets are going back and forth. People on the little, like, are driving these carts and going, move your kids, lady! <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> are, like, oh, like, like this kid! I'm like, I'll get out of here! you are manufacturing, yeah. <laughs> we went to like, meetings and so Nicole would have her baby in her arms and she would like, be presenting. Doing the, like, <laughs> mom wiggle like, <laughs> to keep her baby crying (laughs)
1: you do what you got to do though it's like being a mom and running a business yeah you got to make it all work together right and you do clearly you guys are great examples of you just get it done one way
2: shape or form it might not look the same but what what you had imagined it would look like but it gets done and it's funny we talked about mindset before and that instance which Deborah's talking about I had to bring a baby to a distributor meeting and we had never met this distributor and coming from New York City these distributors are school boys clubs these guys are like your traditional New York City guys and I was just terrified I was like oh my god they are not going to want this infant in this meeting so I'm just holding my breath we walk in and it's a new distributor and they were all women and they're like oh my gosh a baby and they all came out and everyone was a woman and we were just like this is impossible. It was the best meeting wow. ever. And they were all just like so sweet about it. And it, it ended up being an asset because everyone was like, oh, this is awesome. It brought a little fun to the meeting. So I just think that mindset, we were always like, I'm going to do this anyway. And we're going to make the best of it. And it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. And it ended up working out. You never know. You got to
1: roll with it. That is one thing that I'm sure you guys have learned over the years. That you just need to roll with it. You don't always know what is going to come your way. Uh, but when you're faced with it, you, there's there is a way over it. One way, shape, or form, and you just make it work. And you guys have done a great job with that. Absolutely. What's uh, what's next on the horizon? I know you guys are going to start looking for investment in the new year. Uh, I know we've, we've just launched this new line. What else is on the horizon for you guys?
3: We have new flavors coming out. Fudgy Pomp has basically two new flavors. because one has been completely revamped. So we have... Exciting new flavors coming out. And then also, babes, so we did a bunch of new recipes. So we've made our product even better. More, I think, during the pandemic, we had to like kind of rush to make, we had to make some sacrifices and so things had to happen. Because it just wasn't there, there wasn't the opportunity to do the product exactly the we wanted it. And so I think we created a delicious product, but now we've had the opportunity to go back and let's make it even more in the vision of what we are always wanting. So I think the fruit forward and making indulgent fruit just like a really exciting thing so it's, it's a little creamier it's got more so our each of our bars are fruit sorbet centers and we dip them in different chocolate coating some of were white chocolate with different flavor like flavored white chocolate coatings other ones a dark one so we are basically went kind of all in with all of our flavors. so i'm super excited for people to taste them and to experience new versions okay. And we're just expanding distribution a lot. So Sorbabes and Fudgy Pop will be in a lot more places. And Nicole's been working really hard on sales. I've been working really hard on the manufacturing side and making those products and R&D and Delicious. between the two of us. And like, we're just, we're getting out there. So it's super exciting. Uh, we really think that the
2: opportunity for our company is to launch another frozen brand or two. We do see some opportunities out there knowing this category like we do. And so I do hope that in the future that we're able to double down and triple down on the logistical operations and everything that we've set up to incorporate more brands and to really just take advantage of the platform that we're sitting on. I love it.
1: I love what you guys have done with this industry, bringing some great indulgent treats, babes, and fudgy pops. I am a huge ice cream lover myself and these both obviously speak to me. I'm like, oh, these look fantastic and love seeing uh, you guys grow and hearing the journey. If people want to go and find you, what are some retailers that they can go to? Or if they want to buy you online, where can they go and find you?
2: Gosh, we're growing so so fast in retail. I can name some big ones, but I would say that the best bet would just be to go to either sorebabes.com or veggiepop.com. And there's a store locator. Just put in your zip code if it's not there now, I would say in the next few months, we're getting some big authorizations and things are coming through already. We'll probably be growing into a thousand plus more stores going into this year. If we're not near you now. We will be soon.
3: Nice. You can always order online. So we can order through, but if you go to Com or fudgypop.com, we do ship directly to your door and it comes on dry ice. So it is a little, it is a little more indulgent of an option, but it is a great option. So like if you're traveling or if you want to send someone a present, holidays work for yourself but send yourself a <laughs> present because you always got to treat yourself right but it's a fun way to be able to get it right to your door and delicious so we're excited being 99% of the time I don't know if that's exactly but off most often show up frozen
2: and and if <laughs> so, yeah. they don't they will reship for, free. Here we go.
3: We'll reship for free so there's no worry about that because Blower was like How do you, ship anything?
2: Right.
3: you guys
1: have figured it out you've figured it out you've had 10 years yeah. in this you've figured it out yeah. Nicole, Deborah, thank you so much for sharing your story and congratulations on all of the success. I love sharing founder stories like yours and just the journey that you have gone on and how you are continuously evolving and growing. And I'm excited for you guys to get the additional doors coming your way and to continue to watch you grow and expand throughout the US. Thanks.
3: thanks, thanks so much for it's been a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, great. Thanks.
0: That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrands.sellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.